Hey, everyone. Welcome to Slumber Party Cinema Club. My name is Kate Everson. And I am Katie Edward. And uh, we're really excited to talk today about a movie uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, We're talking about Wonder Woman from 2017. So if you've tuned into our podcast before, um, you know that uh, we love talking about movies. We love talking over movies. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Wonder Woman is one of those. uh, It just felt right to talk about it during Pride Month um, here at the Slumber Party Cinema Club. Uh, Every month is Pride Month. Uh, yeah. but, especially, uh, you know, especially now that, um, you know, Linda Carter has confirmed for us that Wonder Woman is a bisexual and trans icon. Exactly. And I am so excited to talk about that today. <laughs> um, that was one of the reasons we wanted to make sure that we, we, we touched on this film this month. Um, because you're right. She did confirm uh, on Twitter uh, recently that, yes. Um, she might not have seen it um, when she was actually doing the, you know, recording the show, but she was, uh, she was alerted to it. She talked to a lot of fans uh, who talked about how important her show was being Wonder Woman um, as they were growing up in the seventies and being, um, you know, feeling that they had uh, something in common with her. Um, so I think, well, first off, Linda Carter's amazing. Uh, if you haven't listened to her music, so cool. Um, and she was actually supposed to be in the 2017 Wonder Woman film, but her cabaret schedule actually got in the way. So she wasn't able to make a cameo, unfortunately. But um, we are here to talk about the 2017 movie um, because there's a lot to talk about in it, um, around it. So for those who haven't seen it in a while or you know saw it in the theater once, um, just so you know, it's Wonder Woman, uh, the, the origin story, essentially. And it's set during World, uh, World War One, so the Great War, which technically Wonder Woman was created in the 40s. The first comic came out in 1941. So they took a little bit of creative license with it because according to Patty Jenkins, who is the uh, director of the film, it just seemed to fit the story better. There was a whole bunch of stuff. There was a great quote from her where she was talking about that World War One was the first time that civilization, as we know it, was finding its roots but it's not something that we really know the history of. And in this world, there are questions about women's rights, about a mechanized war where you don't see who you're killing. And it's such an interesting time. And so, by the way, this is also, <laughs> at the time that it came out, is the highest grossing film about World War One. So, Katie, do you remember when you saw Wonder Woman? Um, I do. I, it was on a date, actually. I, I don't know a lot about DC Comics, and I didn't know a lot about Wonder Woman, so it was sort of my first interaction with Wonder Woman. But I love really any movie where you get to see women being like really awesome, badass warriors, because when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor, and I just... There weren't roles for like that for female actors or actresses. You know, like usually it would have just been like her being, you know, Superman or Batman's pretty girlfriend. And that was always boring to me. I probably would have stuck with acting if I had had the foresight to know that roles like this would have been coming out. Yeah, that's really interesting you talk about that because, um, yeah, I mean, Wonder Woman, when the comic first came out, first off, people say Wonder Woman is the first uh, female comic book hero or Mm -hmm. superhero. Um, she wasn't. There was another, uh, I think it was an G- Egyptian uh, mythology-based uh, superhero that was a woman that was in the comics in the 30s. So Wonder Woman's like the oldest existing, like, you know, still existing um, 
female superhero. But yeah, and, and we'll talk a little bit about like how she came to be um, because her, her background, uh, the background of how she was created is also fascinating and definitely worthy um, of attention. But um, yeah, it was, I think I saw it on, in a theater with my friend Kelly and I remember there were moments, and this is going to be, I'm going to be like a broken record in this podcast because there are so many films where there is a moment where I just went, wow, I love this movie. And for me, that was uh, No Man's Land uh, scene where she comes out of the, the trench and she walks across. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. remember, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you go on Twitter, it's, it's the scene from the movie yeah. um, that everyone loves. But I remember noticing something when Gal Gadot steps out of the trench and she puts her foot down, her thigh jiggles a little bit. And it was so affirming to see that because. Yeah, I remember people talking about the. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember people talking about the, the thigh jiggle and like, yep, mm-hmm, right there with you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was something that, you know, I, as someone who, especially at that time, I was you know, working out every day while well, I still do. But like at that point, it was not, it was not a healthy relationship with, with exercise. It was uh-huh. very much, I need to do this, you know, to become that, that, that plastic doll that we see. Right. Um, and so seeing that and being like, oh no, this is Wonder Woman. Like her thighs jiggle too. It was very affirming. We can also talk just about how Chris Pine, who is the best of the Chris's, you know, clamps, you know, clamps onto the role of Steve Trevor and just rocks it. Yeah, um, brings his whole self to it. Um, I remember going into this movie and knowing that Chris Pine was gonna die. Like I just knew it in my heart. I was like, "Don't get attached, Katie. He's gonna die." <laughs> I was for some reason I was getting a lot of um, maybe because it was another origin story and like another war movie origin story. I was getting a lot of um, Captain America vibes, and I was like, "Oh." Chris Pine is definitely like the Bucky Barnes of this movie. He is gonna die um to sort of motivate Diana in some way, or you know, it's gonna be the tragic part of the movie. Which is also it's funny you bring that up because if you think about, you know, there's there's a concept women in refrigerators, um right, that yeah. Simone, uh, was part of, of creating and the idea is that there are so many superhero movies where the girlfriend has to die or the wife has to die for the male superhero to find, you know, find their true selves or, or to grow. Um, and you're, uh, yeah. Um, it's the man pain. Uh, yeah. It, they refrigerated uh, Chris Pine in this movie, um, which is a bit of a reversal. I don't know how I feel about it still, even when it's reversed. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I love that scene. It's one of my, one of my, favorite it seems weird to say one of my favorite character death scenes but um I think I just thought that the way they did it was really well done it is good it's sort of I feel like it gets cheapened a little bit by you know what occurs in the sequel to this movie spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert hopefully y'all have already seen all the movies or at least most of the movies that we're going to be talking about in this podcast. That's sort of the reason we talk over them is because it's movies we've seen a lot, but yeah, I feel like the, the death scene is a little cheapened by what the plot ends up being in the sequel, but there's also a lot of things we could say about the sequel to wonder woman. I, not being as strong yeah i've got in my notes for this 
for this podcast uh, when I was prepping to talk about this. I have a note that says sequel. We need a whole other episode to tear apart the disaster that is Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> yeah. Can I um really, because I'm like sort of staring at the movie while we're recording this. And first of all, God, it's so freaking pretty where they filmed. But secondly, um, Robin Wright in this movie, like, yes. I just, I've always seen her as Princess Buttercup because The Princess Bride is, has been my favorite movie forever and ever. It's like one of the first movies I ever remember seeing or having an attachment to. And like, you know, Princess Princess Buttercup isn't always the uh, strongest female character. She's a bit of damsel in distress, but Robin Wright is just so freaking badass in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, for me, I think because I was an avid House of Cards fan, um, and I will openly admit that because the first two seasons were phenomenal, um, <laughs> uh, despite all of the, the bad stuff that we now know um, sure. about sure. you know, the, the league. But uh, Robin Wright was that show for me. And so watching her, like you said, revert from, you know, change from being Princess Buttercup, as I had always seen her, to seeing her in the role of Claire Underwood, um, where she is running that show and wearing her Warby Parkers and rocking the pixie. Um, and then seeing her in this, where it was that same badassery, just in a different way, in an action sense, rather mm-hmm. than a, a cerebral. The beginning, obviously, being on the island with all of the Amazons, they actually filmed that in the Amalfi uh, coast in okay. Italy. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes... Because the water is that blue. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that makes sense. It's gorgeous. I was like, it's giving me Mediterranean vibes for sure. Mm-hmm. Which I know is sort of a stickler point because, like, in the comics, the, the island that she's from is typically like portrayed to be somewhere in the Atlantic. So there were some, there were some comic book purists that might have had a bit of an issue with that. Um, but at the same time, it's a fake world. So, you know, get over yourself. Um, you know, we don't, yeah, we don't worry about uh, comic book purists uh, here. Not at all. Although I do want to talk a little bit about how Wonder Woman came to be. And so this is really interesting. After Linda Carter tweeted about Wonder Woman being a queer icon, and you mm-hmm. had a whole bunch of pearl clutching coming from the women who don't think that icons can be shared. Um, that were saying, no, she's a female icon. She's about women's empowerment. She can't be about anything else, apparently. The interesting thing is that Wonder Woman's backstory uh, is actually, she was created by a man in a polyamorous relationship. Okay. That was very comfortable to everyone involved. It was It's kind of a beautiful blueprint so this man um he was and and by the way if you have this is the reading list portion if you haven't read jill lapore's uh the secret history of wonder woman great book it goes into how she was formed uh how wonder woman has stood up that you know through the test of time her how they used her for ms magazine and yeah so excellent book um but here's here's the cliff notes version so Dr. William Moulton Marston, he was a psychologist, and his wife, Elizabeth Holloway, was an attorney and a psychologist. And together, they developed the first ever lie detector, um, known as the systolic blood pressure test. Um, is this, so, is, hey, fun- mm-hmm. is that similar to like the lie detector tests that we used? To- is that how lie detector tests work now? I should know this as a true crime fan. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't. Yeah. I know yeah. I am so, too. Um, it was it, it was sort of a it was a precursor. I mean, it's still you know 
questionable whether they actually work, but it was, it was the technology that led to what we have now. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so he, he and Elizabeth, you know, funny enough, you know, think about Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. Um, before that, that existed, they were, you know, uh, Dr. Marston was, um, devoting his life already to finding ways to compel people to tell the truth. <laughs> so uh, he and he and Elizabeth were legally married and they had a polyamorous uh, partner and her name was Olive Byrne, who, by the way, her mom was Ethel Byrne and her aunt was Margaret Sanger. And so her, her lineage is already <laughs> interesting because she is the daughter and niece of the two women who opened the first birth control clinic in the United States. Wow. This, um, okay. This whole, there are just a lot of like universe in action threads around this that I'm seeing come together right? for like, yeah. Right. So yeah. I mean, and again, um, Jill Lepore's book gets really deep into all of the background of who everyone was, but um, you know, uh, so on the side, so this, this, uh, you know, this man, Dr. Marston was really talk about someone who has a lot of brain power. Um, he and his wife were, were both psychologists and he was on the side writing what would turn out to be Wonder Woman. And all, it was entirely based on these two women in his life, Olive and Elizabeth. And he ended up publishing under his, his uh, pen name, Charles Moulton in 1941. And as you can imagine, it caused quite a bit of stress and stir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's... Here was this woman in a short skirt kicking bad guy ass. Yeah. That's, um, so, that's way slutty yeah. back then <laughs> for, um, yeah. But I mean, there was also the, you know, there was a benefit to it that, you know, she was, she, the ass she was kicking were Nazis. Um, so yeah. she was already kind of a propaganda figure and she came up around the same time that we had Rosie the Riveter who is, you know, a woman getting down and dirty in the, in the factories to support the war effort. And so, you know, she, she fit in. It was, it was not unexpected. We already had a shift in the way that women were being portrayed in popular culture and image. Yeah, for um, sure. But it still led to a lot of pearl clutching because, I mean, she had, she was sort of seen as like a sexual deviant. She had a lot, you know, they, she had the lasso of truth. She wore these cuff bracelets. And a lot of this was based off of Marston's own um, sexual tendencies with his partners. Um, okay. Again, they had, from, from what I have read, they had a very consenting relationship. They lived in the same house together. They raised their children together. It worked out. They were very comfortable with it. It was the rest of the world that had a problem. Um, so between that and the fact that Wonder Woman, like you said, uh, short skirt, female uh, hero, and also put that on top of it, some light BDSM imagery, <laughs> and you've got a world that's not taking too kindly to it. But, you know, she, she survived. She, the, the hero was strong enough uh, to survive that public opinion. And that's how we ended up, you know, moving forward to finally getting a full Wonder Woman movie in 2017. It was the first female-led comic book movie since Elektra in 2005. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's amazing, too, because when you think about, like, the DCEU, like they're not doing a lot of things right um, when it comes to their movies. But this first Wonder Woman movie, like, damn, it made up for so much that they've done wrong uh, so far. Yeah. Well, and a lot of that was on purpose, too. Um, Chris Pine standing up, the, the, the nude scene with Chris Pine um, standing up in the, the hot tub. 
Um, yeah. That was Patty Jenkins trying to get back at every movie she had seen that insisted on including female frontal, frontal nudity. nudity. Um, that was what she wanted. She wanted to have some male full frontal nudity. Um, not that you see anything because it is a PG-13 movie, but um, yeah. that was that was very intentional on her part. There was a lot that was intentional. Uh, in fact, uh, she and James Cameron sort of had a pretty public back and forth about the movie. Um, so okay. James Cameron, you know, he's he's Can known for having really cool female action heroes. Terminator, which of course had Sarah Connor. He he sort of got a little loud about it. Um, he said that it was good, but he didn't see it particularly groundbreaking or even he even was kind of like, eh, I think that they sexualized the main character a little too much to appeal to teenage boys. Fascinating that James Cameron has decided to talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pot, meat, kettle, I think. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, the most memorable movie that I think James Cameron made for me was Titanic. And, you know, Kate Winslet fully nude in that movie you know he said this patty jenkins came back and said hey listen it shouldn't make any difference what wonder woman looks like it shouldn't make any difference whether you think she's wearing a skimpy costume or if she's you know hulked out or if she is a little bit more willowy kind of like um like gal gadot is um that was another criticism of the film that she wasn't uh, bulky enough to be considered that hero um okay. and she wanted to make it very clear that it doesn't matter what woman looks like she can still be wonder woman so I thought that was interesting, even though um, I still come back to, if that's the case, why did we have to go with Gal Gadot for this role? Since she does not act very well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Like, her acting, like, doesn't bother me or anything. I mean, hey, if we could have a nice curvy Wonder Woman, that would be awesome. Like, <laughs> I would love that for sure. Me too. And we do. There's lots of really cool cosplayers out there that do oh. really awesome curvy Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I, there's that, um, there's a print that like an artist does. I, you probably have seen it and I can't think of what artist it is, but it shows like a bunch of different illustrations of like different shapes and sizes and races of women. And I want to say like underneath it, it says anyone can be Wonder Woman. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. I think I've seen it at uh, C2E2. Yeah, yeah. If I try, if I remember or I can find out the artist, um, I'll put that in the show notes along with the book that you were recommending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. But yeah, I mean, I go back and I see like they, they first offered the role of Wonder Woman to Kate Blanchett, but she was going to be busy doing Thor Ragnarok around the same time. And yeah, I'm good with that. She was amazing in that movie. And that's going to definitely be another film we have to talk about. Um, Absolutely. So she was she was busy doing that. They considered Colby Smulders. But then ironically, she didn't do the, she didn't take the role, but she did voice Wonder Woman in the Lego movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, Charlize Theron and Eva Green were also considered. Um, Charlize Theron was approached first. Um, clearly, uh, she and Patty Jenkins worked together before. Um, Charlize Theron won an Oscar for um, Monster, which was directed by Patty Jenkins. So they had worked together. Oh, shoot. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Patty Jenkins has a really interesting list of movies she's done. Also, she directed one of my favorite episodes of Arrested Development. Which which one was it? It's the one where uh, I believe it's the one where George Michael comes in and it's always it's it's the first time you see him crashed on the floor to the Charlie Brown music. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so and and what's funny is that I remember seeing her name and being like Patty Jenkins. Wait, wait Wonder Woman Patty Jenkins. Um, but for her, I mean, she, Patty Jenkins took the movie. She was signed on to make the movie in, I think, the early 2000s. And then she ended up um, dropping out because I think she got, I think it was a pregnancy. I think she decided, she was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I don't want to direct a movie while I'm doing that. Okay. Um, totally understandable. Forming a human child and making a movie at the same time has to be difficult. Um, but the, uh, she dropped out. They got like, three other directors that assisted in and out. Then they finally found a director they landed on. She dropped out for creative differences. I wonder what those were. Um, and Patty Jenkins was uh, there and ready to take it back on um, when they needed it. So, Which, thank great, goodness. Great success. Yeah, thank goodness. She's doing an upcoming Star Wars show. The, was it, Rogue Squadron, she I think? Is. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm excited about well I'm excited about it a because it's Star Wars and b because I think good hands there yeah I agree that's that's gonna be good and she and she did a lot to shape the film so one of the things I think the film does really well is that they bring in these side characters that are very deep um my friend Kelly was with me like I said we, we saw it together and afterwards we talked about the movie and Kelly who is a black woman and she's very perceptive of how race and gender shows up in film mm-hmm. you should definitely hear her thoughts on who dies and lives in multiverse of madness okay I'll, I'll see if she can join us for that one because she was doing I could I could hear her brain clicking during that movie of, of yeah taking tally of who was dying and who was living she loved um Saeed Tagmawi, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he played Samir, who is very blunt when he's describing, uh, after running essentially the original Nigerian prince scam in the bar, they are out and camping and he makes a comment. He always wanted to be an actor, but he was born the wrong color. Um, um, and yeah. she was like that. She was like, for her, that was the line that hit. She was like, oh, wow. Finally, someone says that. Um, because it is. It's 1917, right? Um, yeah. But there was another character uh, played by Eugene Brave Rock uh, called The Chief. And the actor who played him um, is an indigenous Blackfoot man. And he didn't know he was auditioning for a Wonder Woman movie. So um, when Patty Jenkins asked him his views on stereotypes, um, because stereotypes play a huge role in this film. Um, yeah, absolutely. Wonder Woman, you know, uh, of course, um, yeah. you know, being seen in certain ways because of the time period and, um, you know, all the other characters that are in it. But um, he said that when she, she told him that his character's name was going to be Chief, um, he wasn't, I guess, too happy, but they couldn't change it because of DC Comics. It was an obligation to the comic book company. Uh-huh. So upon hearing the name DC Comics, that's when he realized that this was a part in Wonder Woman. Um, he didn't even know he was auditioning for Wonder Woman until she said DC Comics. And so she told him, listen, you're never going to have to call yourself that on screen. But if you want, you can introduce yourself in your in your language, in Blackfoot, um, in, in the Blackfoot language. Okay, cool. Uh, so he introduces, yeah. So he, he you know, he um, ended up introducing himself as uh, Nafi, a Blackfoot creator uh, being and clever trickster. And he <laughs> said later on that he was very proud to be able to speak the language of the Blackfoot tribe in a major motion picture and to be able to say to say those words. So there's there was a lot of play here. I mean, Patty Jenkins really came at it with this 
this goal of making sure that the film is as inclusive as possible. I think it still falls down a little bit. There are very few, apart from the Amazon Islands, there are very few women of color. Mm-hmm. Then again, on the Amazon Islands, we get some really badass women of color too. So um, <laughs> they just they just don't tend to show up in, in the film as much. So there's still some things that you know we could we could probably improve on in the film. But for a DC comic book movie, and considering what DC has done and some of the stories that have come from filming of the Justice League, uh, I think that Wonder Woman is at least ahead of that game. Yeah, for sure. Like miles ahead. Um, there's, there is clearly, uh, well, I mean, I knew this before there was a lot of effort being put in, but now like all this stuff that you've mentioned, which I did not know, there's a lot of effort being put in to be inclusive and respectful. Yeah, there, there is one pretty stereotypical thing in there though. Um, so there's this man, his name is Wolf Collar. And if you saw him, you would recognize him because he was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was um, uh, the one of the main Nazis, the one that walks around with um, Tote. Uh, okay. Dietrich, that's his name in the movie. He's the one that gets his face blasted off first. Yes, <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And it's because this poor man is probably the most typecasted Holly- character actor in Hollywood. Um, in fact, his IMDb biography even starts off with the, like the the line wolf collar is a german-born character actor who thanks to his height six foot two and blue eyes was often cast as a nazi or unsympathetic german character in his oh, career gosh. the man has appeared as a nazi in the dirty dozen he was and the boys from brazil um i just noticed the other night i was watching sherlock holmes game of shadows he plays the german doctor that helps moriarty out uh, and in in this movie, he is also um, he is just credited purely as um, German henchman. <laughs> oh gosh, is he? Um, did he did he get into Inglorious Bastards? I don't know. I want to go back and find that out now. Yeah, Collar Wolf Collar is like a fucking cool name too. Oh, and he's he's still working too. Um, he's in a movie called Cognition as Doctor Zoger. Uh, that came out in 2020 but it doesn't look like he made it into inglorious bastards okay that seemed like a maybe an obvious one but you know well he was also in bridget jones the edge of reason as a commentator (laughs) oh gosh that movie (laughs) here's another episode (laughs) yeah just bridget jones the edge of reason and then also the the third one that i did not see yeah, I, I think uh, in this movie, I don't know if uh, Wonder Woman as a queer icon really comes out as strong as it possibly could have. Um, although I will say that scene on the boat where she talks about pleasures of the flesh, which, by the way, was all uh, candid. It was it was not scripted. That oh, was, I love that. <laughs> her and Chris Pine hanging out. And I think that's why I like that scene so much because, you know, I think that her line delivery is so good in that scene because she's not delivering any written lines. She's just having a conversation as Wonder Woman. And so uh, I think that like, that whole thing, obviously there's a lot, there's huge sapphic energy in that whole conversation. For sure. But, but yeah, I, the, the 2017 film, it still holds up. I just watched it in 2020 um, during during COVID lockdowns and it still, it still holds up, I think. Yeah. As long as we don't talk about the sequel. <laughs> Maybe we will talk about the sequel eventually because there... 
there are things I like about it and there are things I don't like about it. Like I definitely had higher expectations. And maybe that's because the first one was so good. Right. Yeah. And, and the ever present hope for DC that they'll just start doing better with their movies as a whole, just as a big, you know, MCU fan. Although I, it's my personal opinion. You're gonna send the you're gonna send the internet trolls after us. I know. Well, it's also my personal opinion that that DC like has found. I would say DCEU, but I think that's more or less been dissolved. But I would say like I feel like they should focus on their villains more than their heroes. I think they've found more success with their villains rather than their heroes. But I mean, that's a whole again. That's a whole other episode and conversation. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, just look at Birds of Prey, because like for me, there are two great DC movies. Mm-hmm. If we take out the Christopher Nolan Batman. Um, sure. Yeah, so see, there are there are three great um, DC films, maybe four. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, the, the two, though, in this conversation, though, is, is definitely Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey. Yeah. And you're right. Because Birds of Prey, that's a villain. Yeah. And well, the new Suicide Squad movie, like the updated version. Um the James Gunn version. I'll have to rewatch that one. I think I watched that one at one in the morning the night it came out because I had gone to see the Green Knight before it. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. No, that one's really good. And like, I mean, everyone loves Joker, like the Joker, not the movie, the Joker, but the character, the Joker. Yeah. Um, I actually, I've never seen the um, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. That was kind of one I, I want to see, but it's not something I like prioritized. I saw it opening weekend and I walked out and I said to the person I was with, I need a beer now uh, <laughs> because it was a lot. It was a lot to digest. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I came away thinking, not a fan. Not saying that it was a horror show that, the haters all painted as but yeah I was not a huge fan of it yeah well and like you know moviegoers are sometimes so quick to be like just completely critical and completely trashing a movie because I feel like that's the easiest and I will probably say this a lot over the podcast if everyone keeps listening or we get past this episode or you haven't stopped listening already But criticizing and trashing someone, I think, is misconstrued as the easiest way to sound smart about something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I feel like a lot of people jump to being critical about things rather than um, finding the bits to enjoy, which and bringing it back to Wonder Woman, I feel I think that like a lot of the criticism it did receive is the storyline is sort of like simplistic and like the whole thing with like Aries um, I did kind of think it was a pretty good idea that Aries, like as I was watching the movie, you know how it kind of, you start to figure out like, oh, Aries isn't really real. Like men are just shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then you get to the end of the movie and it's like, oh, Aries was real the whole time. So it kind of like crashed the metaphor. Yeah. But I mean, I, I still think so, because obviously she vanquishes Aries. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, Wonder Woman yeah. wins, um, but it doesn't mean that World War II doesn't happen. You know, um, True. it doesn't yeah. mean that all the other um, other conflicts. So there is still that element of yeah, you know, Aries exists, but also men are shit. Yeah, men are still shit. God bless. Men are still shit. <laughs> we need to put that on a T-shirt. That'll be our first merch product yeah. for this, this podcast. <laughs> men are shit. 
So I'm still watching it. The the movie, the ship scenes coming up right now. I'm waiting for like when they get back to Steve's world or, you know, Steve's like London or wherever they are. I forget. That's mm-hmm. terrible. Um, oh, yeah. It starts off and they go to London. Um, that's right. Which actually is really also kind of a change that they made um, in that his assistant is, uh, oh gosh, who plays her? She was, I, I can't think of the actress's name. That's who I was going to bring up though. Cause she one, she was in Bridget Jones. No, mm-hmm. wait, Lucy Davis. Her name's Etta candy in the, in the movie. That's I right. Candy. Yeah. Um, but Lucy Davis is in it and yeah, she's been in a lot. She's in Shaun of the dead, you know, uh, Shaun of the dead. That's what I'm thinking of. Not Bridget Jones. We were talking about, uh, Bridget Jones earlier. That's what threw me off. Yeah, no, she was in Shaun of the Dead. And I was like, oh, hey, I think she's she's in a lot of British things, though. Um, yeah, well, and, and she's um, the the choice to make her that character was a little different because if you like Etta Candy exists in the comic book and still exists in the comic book and they changed the character a little bit. She's not quite a secretary anymore, um, but she's usually portrayed as a black woman in the comic books now. Um, okay. the diversity in Wonder Woman uh, comics, but um, having her in this role and especially, you know, the fact that she's not an idiot, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice that, you know, she's, she's showing a different kind of, of intelligence that Wonder Woman doesn't quite have yet about how things work in the world and how to get by. Um, and I do, I do love the scene where she takes her to go find clothes and she just has to put up with a woman who has no clue what this world is oh yeah I mean gosh I I related to the clothing scene so hard just in like not wanting to wear dresses and stuff and wanting to be sort of like a tomboy which kind of brings us back to what we were talking about at the start about you know Wonder Woman being an icon for all um for the tomboys for uh gender not conforming people for yeah um, trans people i mean it, she there's a little bit of everything that you can pull even if you're a, a white cis heterosexual man i feel like you can you can get some inspiration and and power off of watching wonder woman as long as you open yourself up to it <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah i think i think it, a lot of it is really about um gender nonconformity cuz obviously Diana has no concept of gender roles and even you know like Chris Pine in this movie sort of has expectations I think it sort of maybe opens his eyes a little bit to like oh women aren't just you know born this way that I am used to how women act like (laughs) yeah I mean it opens up his concept and you know if you have the ability to have that imagination to be a little bit you know be comfortable with learning that your way isn't the only way Mm -hmm. yeah he 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 learns he he learns to to include that image of a woman in his his world frame well that world frame might be a little short-ended towards the end yeah but it's like, cause I was just watching like in the beginning, um, you know, when he shows up on the beach at Thymascara, then the Nazis sort of follow him through and they start attacking. He's sort of gesturing for Diana to, you know, like get back and get down and I'll protect you. And, and she really just doesn't need that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of the film, he f- figures that out. She doesn't really need that. 
So I, I usually like, but I know we're coming probably to the end of our time, but I do want to just mention that if you like uh, Wonder Woman, or if you have not read The Secret History of Wonder Woman, but why I know that want to see a spicy dramatic retelling of it professor marston and the wonder women is a movie it's a, a you know one of those bio flicks that gets that gets told through flashbacks and it's got luke evans in it it's got um rebecca ferguson as his wife and bella Heathcote as olive um oliver platt and connie Britton are also in it it's uh it's a good movie it, it talks about the origins of wonder woman it's a little risque at points which is fun Nice, um, love it. It's told, you know, you got to have a little, yeah, you know, it's it's a polyamorous couple, <laughs> it, it, you know, um, but it, it tells the story of how Wonder Woman came to be through flashbacks while Dr. Marston is testifying actually in front of Congress, which really did happen. He had to, to testify in front of a, a board about how Wonder Woman is not a sexual deviant that's going to ruin America. Wow. Um, but yeah, so um, I highly recommend that one uh, if anyone's interested in the history of Wonder Woman or if they want an interesting double feature. Wonder Woman followed by uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women will give you a good little background. So I think that's everything. Did we cover everything? I know there's a lot we could talk about this movie. There's a lot. we Yeah. I mean, the the villain in this movie being a woman and doing kind mm-hmm. of shitty terrible things but also is a as a lady in stem um and a disabled lady in stem at that which also yeah. has some less than lovely connotations to it yeah yeah so i don't know you guys let us know what your favorite your favorite parts of wonder woman were or like what were the bits that spoke to you yeah and uh we'll see you back here for another episode of slumber party cinema club uh next week yeah, I think our what our next one's Fourth uh, of July, right? Or... We've got a very special. We have a very special episode for Fourth of Su- July. Yeah, super secret Fourth of July movie, and there aren't a lot of them, so you guys can probably guess what it's going to be. But I'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> to talk about this. Well, we'll see you then.